Hello, and welcome to Compass Church. If you have any questions about this message or are interested in learning more, please contact us. We'd love the opportunity to connect. Now, enjoy today's message. What a day. What a celebration. His resurrection life is resurrecting me. I hope and pray that that's what you say to yourself today. This morning is a great time of celebration. It's a time where we smile and we congratulate one another. We say Christ is risen. He's risen indeed because we have a Savior who has done something for us that we could never do for ourselves. It is a a day of celebration. It is the highest point in the Christian year. It is a day when we remember Good Friday and Easter the Sunday that Jesus rose from the dead. And what's important about it is that we do celebrate. We celebrate the the life and death and resurrection and the power of Jesus all through the year. But on Easter, we celebrate in a more intense way because it was on a day that it really happened. The unique thing about Christianity is that it is about one who came into our world, who took on flesh, who was born, who lived, who taught, who, who healed, who demonstrated his power over the kingdom of darkness, and then he went to the cross and gave himself in death for us. And then he rose again. And it happened on a day. And so... The resurrection of Jesus is powerful. It it changes our lives. It changes everything. When we realize that the, the drum of human history has led every person who's ever lived to the grave, yet only one conquered that grave and came back. And that... The hope of the gospel, the hope of life that conquers death comes from that resurrection. We must think of the resurrection of Jesus in light of his death. And we, uh, we remi- were reminded of the, the Good Friday service a couple of days ago when we gathered here on Friday evening, read through some of the, all, uh, most of the texts of the, the trial, the uh, flogging of Jesus, the abandonment of Jesus by his disciples. We read about his trial before Pilate and the crowd calling out for his crucifixion and then his walking to the cross where he surrendered his life on the cross in death. And it was a real death. It was a real event. It happened in the real life of Jesus. And everyone around knew that it was happening. There was no confusion. The Roman soldiers knew that they had put Jesus to death. The disciples who were following Jesus knew that the one that they had hoped in, that they had longed for, they anticipated would be the Messiah that would bring the salvation that God had promised all through the the Scriptures in the Old Testament. To that day, all of their dreams died as well. So when we come to celebrate Resurrection Day, we must grab a hold of the reality 
that changed that day, that Sunday, when Jesus came out of the grave and transformed everything. Christ came back to life and demonstrated His victory over sin and death. And the followers of Jesus heard about His resurrection, but understandably, they just couldn't quite grasp it. In fact, the resurrection is the thing that changed the, the, the gospel, that gave us the, the confidence in the Scriptures, that, that founded the church. The disciples who were cowering in fear at the death of their Messiah now were emboldened with new life and came together and proclaimed that this Jesus, whom they had crucified, had come back to life. And everything that He taught was real, was true. In all the years I've been in uh, church and in ministry, you know, I've run into people at various times and in various ways who say, well, you know, I, I, I think Christianity is a fine idea. I read the, read the scriptures. I like a lot of things about it, but there's just certain things I have trouble with. Certain aspects that I struggle with, and so I just kind of keep it, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm respectful and I like it. kind of keep it at arm's distance. Well, I always say to them, well, the big number one question that everything hangs on in Christianity is, did Jesus die and come back to life? There's nothing that validates the truth and the teaching of Jesus like the resurrection. Nothing gives hope and promise to his followers, his believers, those who trust in Him like the resurrection because what it says is that everything He taught, everything that we know about Him was true. And so if Jesus died and came back to life, then you have to believe everything He said, everything He taught. Because the resurrection is the validation in the strongest possible way by God, that everything that Jesus told us about life after death, everything that Jesus told us about God's kingdom, God's purpose and plan for His creation and His people, and the issues of sin and death that ravage our lives, and the only remedy is His Son, and that Jesus proclaimed to be that remedy, the one validation that makes that so real is that He went to death like nobody else, and came back to life. The resurrection is central. It is the hope that we cling to. It is the confidence that we have that Christianity is true even in the face of all the other world religions and all the other ideas of our world. Jesus demonstrates the truth of His death for our sins, the coming of His kingdom, in the future, through the clouds, by His resurrection. Jaroslav, Jaroslav, Jaroslav Pelvic, um, Pelvican, uh is a professor at Yale University. I know I butchered his name. I apologize. Uh, he's a, a, a Yale University a professor of Christian history. And I like the way he said it. He said, if Christ is risen then nothing else matters. And if Christ is not risen, 
then nothing else matters. Do you see how crucial the resurrection of Jesus is? When we go through hard times and difficulties in our life and we wonder if the the Christian message is real and true, can we be confident with it against all the onslaughts of the world, all of the criticisms and skeptical ideas about the Scriptures? Fundamentally, we can come down to one truth. Jesus rose again. And there is no greater validation of the truth of the gospel than that. Because of the historical event of Jesus coming out of the grave, everything in our world changes. There is nothing that doesn't change. Because Christ is risen, we have hope in this world. We have joy in this world. We know of the world that is coming. It changes everything. It changes how we see our neighbors. It changes how we see God's creation. We see it changes how we understand God at work in our world. We, it changes how we understand human history. Everything rides on this moment, this event, where Jesus changes everything that we know and takes it and turns it upside down. But if Jesus is not risen from the dead, then Christianity has nothing to say. That's how crucial it is. We have no hope to offer. We have no joy to celebrate. We have no moral truth to correct and direct our lives with. And we have no inspiration for our living if Jesus has not risen. Because in the resurrection... We have the promise of God, the demonstration of God that He turns our world upside down, that He takes away sin. He destroys the work of Satan. He breaks the brokenness of the world and restores and brings life. One famous author that you've probably heard of, Leo Tolstoy, said in his book, Confession, my question, That which at the age of 50 brought me to the verge of suicide was the simplest of questions. Lying in the soul of every man. That's an important phrase. Lying in the soul of every man. A question without an an answer to it makes it impossible to live. The question is, what will come of what I am doing today? Or tomorrow? What will come of my whole life? Why should I live? Why should I wish for any or do anything? I can also express it this way, he said. Is there any meaning in life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? This brings us to the weight and the reality of the resurrection in every one of our lives. For as Tolstoy understood it, without transcendent truth, life is meaningless. Without the existence of God who brings form and structure and purpose and fulfillment in life, we can't establish it on our own. We are left adrift with no answers for life. 
This led Tolstoy to believe in the scriptures and particularly in the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection is the linchpin of the gospel. It is the validation. It is the approval of God of Christ's death on our behalf and the victory that he won for us. Therefore, if Jesus is risen, believe in him. Trust in him. Receive his victory for yourself. That's what he extends to us. And that's why Easter is so important, so much of a celebration, so much of a joy, because the life that God offers us is extended to us through His Son and demonstrated to us through His resurrection. And then, therefore, we can know that there is something beyond the grave, that God has plans and purposes for us beyond this life. The importance of the resurrection, as I said, is at the center of our Christian faith. In the previous weeks, in our worship services, we've been looking at 1 Corinthians, and I would like to take us to a passage in 1 Corinthians. If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. And why this passage is so important is because... When you want to learn about a historical event, and that's what makes the, the, the resurrection so important. That's what makes Christianity unique because it is about a historical event. It is about the coming of Jesus and his death and his resurrection, and it happened in human history. It's about who he was and what he came to accomplish. All of Christianity can be summed up in those two questions. Who is this Jesus and what did he do? And when we read uh, 1 Corinthians, we understand that Paul wrote 1 Corinthians probably about 50 to 55 A.D., early. And that was about 30 years after the death and resurrection, or 20, 20 years after, 20, 25 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so if you're looking for a historical event, you want to get as close to the event as you can. And what we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is something that's even earlier than 1 Corinthians. Because here Paul refers to something that was passed on to him that characterizes his preaching. It was part of what he, did, what he preached and proclaimed to the Corinthians when he planted the church there. And so it's earlier even than this letter in one of the great New Testament uh, scholars, uh, James Dunn, said that this passage, you could probably track it back to within one to five years of the death and resurrection of Jesus, this little passage. Now, there is plenty in the New Testament that affirms the death and resurrection of Jesus, but this passage is unique in that it has this characteristic of being something that Paul preached when he went to Corinth, Paul, something that Paul regularly passed on to new believers and that he says he received himself. And it speaks to the reality of Jesus' death and his resurrection. And so we want to be reminded of that today. So let's read verses 1 through 11 in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. 
By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, Paul says, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. It's a great passage. It speaks about the historicity of the resurrection. And that's the first point I want us to think about. The resurrection is historical. It, it really happened. And the validation of that historical event is here captured by Paul. In the first couple of verses, he talks about the gospel. And he's talking about the good news that he's preached, that he shared, and how the churches were formed around this gospel. And the good news, the gospel, is that Jesus came into the world, that he went to the cross and he bore our sins. And in taking our punishment, he satisfied God's wrath against our sin and then was raised from the dead. This is the good news. And the validation of that good news comes in the resurrection of Jesus. So he challenges the Corinthians to hold firmly to this. This is the gospel. Now let me support that gospel. And so you can see in verse 3 and following, Paul recognizes the number of people that Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. He first appeared to Cephas. Then he appeared to all of the apostles. And then it says that he appeared to 500 brothers and sisters at one time. And he goes on to talk about James. James, who was his brother, who didn't believe in him, but believed in Jesus after he saw him in the resurrection. And then Paul himself was not a believer until after he saw Jesus alive after his death. So what we have here is then Paul uses that gathering of 500 people where Jesus showed up after he was dead and now had come back to life. This takes us to the heart of the gospel. And it says with a refrain, according to the Scriptures throughout, because what the Jewish people must have understood, what the disciples began to understand is that the unfolding of God's plan of salvation through the Old Testament that He was foretelling was now becoming a reality. And it was being demonstrated in the acts of Jesus as He gave Himself as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He offered up Himself, His life as a sacrifice for us. And then the power and wonder of the resurrection. Jesus came back to life. 
And there are many skeptics. There are those who question whether Jesus' resurrection was real. But you should know that when you start to talk about the life of Jesus, there is almost complete uniformity. There is almost 95% of scholars who studied the life of Jesus, whether believers or not, that say it's obvious that Jesus lived and that Jesus was arrested, that he was brought before the Roman governors, and that he was put to death. Everybody knows that's true. That is confirmed. It gets a little hairy and a little questionable when it comes to the resurrection, but they really don't have any other explanation. But what we have is the full account. And and Paul references the historical truth of the resurrection in such a way that he's anticipating that if you have questions, and of course we can't do this now, but in the first century, if you have questions, Jesus appeared to 500 and many of them are still alive. Go and ask them. The birth of the church came on the heels of the dramatic realization that Jesus did die but came back to life. And because of his resurrection, nothing held back the disciples anymore. They were cowering in fear on Good Friday, wondering what they were going to do now that their, their leader, their master, had been taken and crucified. And now he comes with new life after his death, and nothing was going to change the hearts of the disciples. Nothing was going to stop the birth of the church. One of the greatest... Uh, testimonies to the reality of the resurrection is the birth of the church because all of the disciples were cowering in fear and then they were dramatically changed and in the very city where Jesus was crucified is the very city where the news of his resurrection spread so first the resurrection is a historical event second the resurrection is central. We must remember this. And look back at the verses 1 and 2 of chapter 15. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you. It says, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. The, the gospel, the, the life of Christ and his, his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection are central. It's where we stand. It's what we believe in. And that is why Paul says in verse 3, I passed on to you with that which is of first importance. The message and the truth of the gospel speaks to us in our past. It speaks about a Savior who came into the world to take away our sin. If you have guilt and failure and sin in your life that wreaks havoc on your conscience and you know that you are not right and holy before God, that is why Jesus came into the world, to make an offering for our sin. I stand here as one who is not holy and is not righteous, but in need of a Savior. And the wonderful news is, is that Jesus came to take away those those sins, those rebellions, those things that, that cause death in my life by His sacrifice, and He'll take those sins away from you. Christ's death and resurrection is central to the gospel, and it's the way that we, we 
live with our past and live with our failures by His grace and His forgiveness. Jesus' death and resurrection is central because in our present, we're found united with Christ. We receive grace and empowerment in our life in this very moment because of the resurrection life of Jesus. He is at work in us. And then third, we look forward to the life that He has planned for us. He demonstrated in His resurrection a life that will enter into after our death. We'll enter into His kingdom that He establishes by His death and resurrection. So when we celebrate Easter, we recognize that it is central to the gospel. Central to the gospel and central to our life as we live every day. As we live with forgiveness. We live in present empowerment. And we live in hope and anticipation of our future. And finally, third, the resurrection is personal. Look at verse 9. Paul's talking about his coming to faith and trust in the gospel, which is in Christ coming into this world and giving himself as a sacrifice for him. And he recognizes that he's not worthy. He says, but if it is preached... for I am the least of the apostles, and I do not deserve to be called an apostle because he persecuted the church. Paul recognized his own failure, his need for grace. But listen to the beautiful words of verse 10. But the grace of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was with, not without effect. That means that Paul experienced the grace and forgiveness of Christ and was forgiven and changed and the grace of Christ transformed his life. And there was a personal transformation. He gave of himself. He worked harder than than them all, he says. But not him, not, not Paul himself, but the grace of God in him. He recognized that there was a power and there was a life that flows from Christ because of His resurrection power that changed Him. It was a personal transformation. It was a moving and a changing of the heart. And the glory and wonder of the truth of the resurrection is that God wants to change our hearts. He wants to change you. He wants to change me. And He does that by our faith in Christ, by our trust in Jesus, by our allowing the resurrection life of Christ to flow through us. And so, as we think about Easter, and as we think about the Gospel, my hope and my prayer is that you understand the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection is that it was a historical event. The power of the resurrection is that it is central to the gospel. That there is the offer of life to anyone who will receive, anyone who will trust in Christ because He rose from the dead. And He's offering that life, that deliverance to anyone who will trust Him. And the power of the gospel is personal. It's not just some theoretical thing. It's not just some philosophy, some external thing. It is at the heart of who we are. Do we know that Jesus has indeed won the victory? Is our hope and trust in Him? And are we filled with joy 
because of the salvation we have. I hope that's what rolls up in your heart today. It is a word of victory. It is a word of joy. And we celebrate it. We proclaim it. We want everyone to know about it. Jesus is alive. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus has conquered sin. And the offer of life is made to you and to me, to all of us who will believe. Let's bow for a word of prayer together. Lord, we thank you that you are a wonderful Savior. We thank you for the power of the gospel, that you came into this world as a human being. You came in to instruct and teach and to demonstrate who God is by what you taught and how you lived. And then you ultimately demonstrated your grace and your love by going to the cross, offering offering yourself as a sacrifice, And then having that sacrifice validated by the resurrection so that everyone who believes in you would know that there is life beyond the grave. There is a victory over sin that we can enter into. There is a joy and a kingdom of Christ that we can live in. Thank you. Thank you for that victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.